everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Pure Hustle Podcast. Yes. Thank you so much. We do have a request though, before we get started, if you have found our content to be entertaining or helpful, would you consider leaving us a review on iTunes? Those five-star reviews really help to make sure that our content gets out there and that our show continues to grow. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Pearsal Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 355, a themed episode. Yeah, themed episode. And if you are listening right now on, you know, wherever you listen to podcasts, if you're listening to the podcast, you're not on YouTube, go on over and check out YouTube because we actually had a Monday mini where we kind of uh, previewed this episode where we kind of talked about the state of reselling. Like, where is reselling at right now? In 2023, what are some of the things that we are experiencing? What is the the landscape that we are in? Uh, and of course, uh, we can't cover every nuanced thing, but we try to kind of summarize it. And now we're going to go into a little bit more depth of what is it like? What is the reselling world as of now, 2023? Uh, the different platforms. What are we seeing as sellers? What is what do we expect out of the buyers? Uh, so we previewed that on Monday on our Monday mini. Uh, not last week, but the week before. So make sure that you are subscribed to YouTube so that you're not missing any of those videos. We have a lot of cool videos. And I'm hoping that maybe in the next uh, couple months, we can get back to some fun, uh, whether it's like thrifting or garage sale videos or just different things like that. TikTok that we can reaction. Add in there as well. Yeah, maybe some more TikTok reactions. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Hey, and and by the way, uh, so this themed episode, right? The State of Reselling 2023. I want everybody to know that our podcast is a documenting podcast, right? We're not gurus. We're not like, hey, we did this vast research. I did some research, but it's not like I did a, a sample pool. I didn't, you know, use a Gallup service or anything. This is just our experience, right? And so if you're like Orlando and Mike, you guys are way off. That's what the comments are for. Let us know in the comments. Go, you know what? You guys are off. That's not how things are going you guys need to, you know, do something else because you're obviously missing it on certain things. And we're okay with that. I mean, we've always said from day one that this podcast is about documenting our journey. And hopefully as we document our journey of reselling, that a lot of people can learn and that a lot of people can, you know, provide feedback even. And, uh, you know, we're and for lack of a better high school musical theme, we're all in this together. Okay. So there we go. All right. Now, State of reselling. Okay. It's a, it's an interesting time right now. I think we're in uncharted waters. I would say even what happened in 08 with the recession and everything doesn't apply because it's just, it's a different time. Uh, it's a, it's a, you know, different, I would say government system. It's a different financial system. Uh, we're all different since 2020 things have changed. Uh, and so, you know, the question is, how are how are things throughout the throughout you know everything whether it be on platforms whether it be how are things for buyers how are things for sellers and so the first uh, thing i wanted to talk about is platforms how are things on platforms in 2023 and i think most people know where i'm going with this one but i i, I want to start with the fact that larger platforms are charging more money to sell it's going to cost more to sell more and that's just the reality of things right now and so let me let me explain that a little bit further, and then Mike can take over the mic here. As I'm, I feel like I'm taking too much. So in in 2020, when things were great, right? Remember 2020, the year we thought the world was going to end, but instead reselling, it was probably the best year that any I would say any reseller ever has ever had, pretty much. 
especially if you've been reselling since like the 2000s and you're reselling now, you would say 2020 was incredible. It was pretty much you could sell anything. You could sell at premium prices. No one cared. Money was flowing everywhere. So what did that mean for platforms? Well, that meant for platforms like eBay, they were a lot better off having more sellers on there, listing a lot more items. And there was no need to promote listings. There was no need to charge extra fees because they were making a ton of money from just the gross merchandise value, which is that's what you know, the profit that they make from items that people sell. Right. And so, for example, they had promos like if you sold sneakers that were worth above $100, eBay charged you zero in fees. At the same time, the amount of listings that you could have under certain stores went up. Uh, and that meant that you were not charged for having, let's say, over a thousand listings. I remember there was a time when I would hit over a thousand listings within a 30 day period that eBay would charge me. I think it was like six to 10 cents somewhere in there for each listing after that. And so somebody with 3000 listings that became a problem. Well, then eBay lifted that because they wanted people to just list everything they had because they were selling so much. Right. And then you had platforms at that time like Mercari that were charging pretty much no fees. Right. They, when they first started, this was, I think it was pre 2020, they were charging zero fees, but even in 2020, their fees weren't that much. Right. And there was no such thing as pay per click on eBay or, or promoted listings. Even now, uh, Poshmark has promoted listings. And so now that things are difficult, right? Now that people aren't selling as much, these platforms have to find ways to get profits back to their shareholders. And they figured out a way. And the way to do that is by charging sellers <laughs> to sell on their platforms. So even if sales aren't coming through, they're still making good revenue. So, so give you some examples, right? On Amazon, we already talked about how fees in some places, depending on what niche niche you sell in or depending on what, uh, you know, what items or what location, like your fees can be anywhere from 30 to 50% on items you sell on Amazon, right? eBay, right? Their new thing that they added, they went from promoted listings, which was just a very standard you know, this is uh, how much you can, you know, promote. And then we'll take it out that chunk if somebody clicks on that ad uh, to now eBay, right? Has it that you can now do that. You can also do pay-per-click. You can also do dynamic ad rate where eBay is basically saying, trust me, bro, whatever percentage it was at at that moment, that's where we're going to charge you. And so there's that. And then you also have eBay that changed from charging you fees on just the item that you sell to now they're charging you on the shipping and they're charging you even on the sales tax, right? And on promoted listings, they're charging you for what the item was being sold for, not what it actually sold for, right? So it's wild. And even Poshmark got in on the action. They now have promoted closets, right? So they're also making money off of this. So this is where we're at. And it's kind of the reality we all have to live in, in the fact that, hey, if you want to sell on these platforms and this is what these platforms are wanting to promote, not doing this, especially in a saturated field, is going to lead to less sales and less profit. Thoughts, Mike? Yeah. I mean, I think those are all great points. I mean, you, you kind of covered the, all the basics there. Um, I think there's a lot in play there. Like you mentioned, like the reselling specifically, 2020, what that was like. Um, the the increase in in revenue for for sellers and all of that, and what that does for a company, and you kind of covered this, but what it does for a company is it it makes their 
their bottom line. It makes what they can show their shareholders um, increase. So like, for instance, I have a friend who's really high up in Home Depot. And Home Depot is one of those companies. A lot of companies didn't do so well during the, the 2020 time. Home Depot is not one of them. Home Depot did very, very well during 2020 because everybody's home. People decide now's the time I'm going to do some home projects. And so Home Depot saw some of the highest you know profits it had ever seen during that time frame. Well, if you're a upper upper manager at a, a place like that like my friend who's like regional director like not just like a regional manager not just like an assistant manager of a store but like he covers many many stores in like a big region of, of the united states if you're at that level of a company or higher the pressure on you from from the stakeholders and from the board and all of that is so much more to say hey look we reached x percentage of increase and we saw you know, whatever, however much dollar amount last year, that was our best year ever. Next year needs to be just as high. And the reality is, how do you do that? How do you get the next year just as high when you had a freak situation? And if you don't make the next year just as good, then somebody's head's going to roll, right? Because it's even if it's things completely outside of anybody's control. So like you said, what do companies do? Well, they find ways to make that money or they find ways to make that money that's not going to necessarily be like a great long-term plan like this, <clears throat> this thing that we're doing might not be good for the company for the next 20 years, but you know, I'm in this position for the next five years. So I've got to find a way, <clears throat> man, I swallowed wrong. I've got to find a way to make the company look very profitable, or at least my region look profitable for a certain period of time. So how do I do that? Well, if I'm eBay, I charge my sellers more, right? I take more money from them. That way, when I go to my stakeholders during the, the, the stock meeting, the annual meeting, I could say, look, our bottom line is just as high or higher than last year. Now, when you start diving down and we've done this, we've we've gone deep into some of those numbers and we see, well, they actually their gross sales were lower, but their profit was higher. Well, how'd they do that? Well, they charge their sellers more. And so, yeah, if you're a seller on one of these platforms, you got to realize that they're trying to they're trying to meet those numbers that they were seeing a couple of years ago. They're trying to make it look like nobody wants to be the person going to your boss saying, "Hey, you know, we're we're down 15% again just like we were last quarter." Uh but it's not my fault, right? Like you can only do that so long and so they've got to find ways even if it's not sustainable to get those numbers up. And one of the ways they're going to do that companies are going to charge sellers, they're going to charge the people on their platforms. And so we're experiencing that. We're experiencing the the downsides of that when we have to pay more fees, the fees go up, uh, the promoted listings go up. Uh, but hopefully the other way companies can be more profitable is they can make their systems more um, cost efficient. They can be more, they could be smoother. They can find ways to other ways to cut, cut costs. And so we, we've got to just hope that they're doing some of those things that are going to be long-term better for us that we can look back 10 years from now, five years from now and say like, man, eBay kind of screwed us for a while there with those higher fees, but I'm so glad that they implemented X, Y, and Z because in the long run, that was beneficial. So hopefully we start seeing those things that they're implementing uh, to to improve because, uh, yeah, the the fees, the cost of being a seller on, on all of these sites is definitely going up. And it's understandable because costs everywhere are going up. I don't know anybody who's saying like, hey, my groceries have gone way down and my electricity has gone down. Like cost everywhere is going up. So it kind of makes sense. It's going to go up where we're at too. Um, it just... It sucks because, you know, you gotta you gotta find ways to make that money increase. And you yeah, know, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say, it sounds really negative, and we're not trying to be negative. I'm just being truthful about the matter. 
But at the same time, mm-hmm. on the practical end, what does this look like? And it just means that you're going to have to play the game, right? Unless you somehow have figured out a way to continue sales. And there's some ways to do that, right? If you're very niche down in, a, in an area where, you know, not many people are selling and you have consistent buyers, you don't have to do promoted listing. There's some people that do that. If you're able to, you know, find a way that you can, you know, avoid uh, getting into a saturated field, you can do that. But overall, you're going to have to play along, especially I would say, I don't know of many full-time sellers that can do this. I would say part-time, you can play the game. You can play the game of, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to give in. Uh, but understand, you know, it, social media is a very funny place. And I, I know I'm landing here in a long time, but I feel a lot of people are being, how can I say this? Uh, I don't know being deceived, but they're being persuaded in the wrong direction by, you know, a lot of people, you know, will make comments like, I don't do this and I don't do this. And, and I still get my sales. And you really got to look at who these people are in the sense that if you have somebody that's part-time and they're not depending on eBay to pay the bills, that's great. They don't need to promote it. listings. But for example, I myself, like I have to make the sales. I don't make the sales. I can't pay rent. I can't pay electricity. I can't pay, do these things. So for me, it's not an option to promote my listings. It's not an option to even do the dynamic ad rates. Now, do I do the craziness where I'm willing to do up to 20%? No. And 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 honestly, I don't trust eBay because eBay does not show me the data. And so I'm and unless I'm missing something, let us know in the comments. Unless I'm able to see that pretty much everyone's in this certain percentage, like that's gonna be a very, very hard sell for me. But you got to be willing to play the game, right? If you're on Poshmark and that's your main go-to and the promoted listings is being pushed, you got to do it, right? Because they're going to favor those individuals, especially the algorithm that plays along with the system. And I know it's not good, but you you just got to understand like you, we can, we can make these stances, right? We can go make these very, you know, I want justice and all this, but guess what? (laughs) When it comes down to it, those people that are like in the raw, raw crowd with you, they're not going to be paying your bills. So you got to do what's best for your family. All right. Yeah. There's my yeah. two cent, two cent rant. Yeah. Um, all right. So our next uh, point we wanted to make is that uh, platforms are becoming more buyer centric. So again, kind of going back to that idea of the platforms as companies kind of have to find ways in order to maintain their profitability. Um, and I, I firmly believe that a lot of people in the upper management and various companies uh, are looking out for themselves short term. How do I make it so that I'm employable and I have a good track record for the five years I'm going to be here um, before I jump ship to another company? Uh, but at the same time, companies also kind of have to have some some long term goals and things that are moving towards uh, ways that are going to help the company out. And people realize that customer experience is really really important. And uh, long term, a company like eBay. Amazon, Poshmark, Mercari, none of those companies are going to be successful if it doesn't have a reputation of having good customer service. Now, we want good customer service too. I mean, the reality is when we talk about calling eBay and having eBay take off negative feedback or having eBay help us out or or uh, listen to a situation where we had a, a unique thing happen, I mean, really what we're looking for is good customer service because we're paying eBay a fee. eBay's hosting our items. We're like, we are their customer in a sense. But if you step back a level, the customers buying from us, their experience is one of the most important things for eBay. Because if people don't feel safe, 
buying on Amazon, buying on eBay, buying on whatever, they're going to go to the place that they feel the most comfortable with. Now, the problem with that is that sometimes comes at the expense of us, the seller, right? I mean, I even think about like companies like Costco, Walmart's another example, uh, places that have really good return policies, Amazon. Like sometimes you feel really bad, like at like, man, when you return something, it's like this, the sellers, like they, they have no choice. Like even, okay, it's a big, you get, oh, it's a big company. That's, you know, they, they make hundreds, thousands of these, like they can just return this, no big deal. But like, they're kind of eating the cost and how many people return things, not because there was something wrong with the product, but because they had buyer's remorse or they broke it or all of those things. But because those companies do that, they're willing to take those things back. Amazon, Costco, Walmart, they'll pretty much take anything back for any reason. Because they're willing to do that, people shop there. So even though it's like, man, this really stinks, as we, the sellers, are starting to see eBay maybe side with customers a little bit more. The expectation is that like, well, I'm going to have to do this return whether or not like it's my fault or their fault. It could be 100% their fault and I still have to deal with this return. All of those things, it it stinks when you deal with the one-off situation. I'm going to try and be positive here though and say, but long-term, I think it's beneficial. So kind of looping back to the idea of like, how does this long-term help eBay and then help us as the sellers? If sellers or if customers feel comfortable going to eBay, you are going to have to eat some costs. You're going to have to eat some 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 the cost of a, a seller or a buyer returning something and they broke it, they messed it up, and and eBay is going to allow things. You're going to say, hey, that's not fair. Why are you why are you why is the customer experience so important? And and what about me? I'm the seller, and you should be looking out for me. But long term, I think over the course of your lifetime selling on eBay, it's beneficial for people to be on eBay. Like if if the if the reputation that eBay gets is well, if you buy something on eBay, you can get screwed. They don't they don't ever take anything back, and they don't ever look out for the customers. Everybody's going to jump ship off eBay. Your your business is going to collapse. So I would rather lose money occasionally on some items as long as it doesn't go too much in that direction. Than for everybody to say, you know what, I don't feel safe buying on eBay. I'm just buying on Amazon. And then, and then there goes my business. Yeah. And my own personal experience has been that it is getting tougher. Now I going back to your Amazon thing, I just returned, I think like 10 items to Amazon, uh, that I bought all in one. And I felt bad returning them, but they weren't great items. You know, I, my son was going on a trip out of country and I bought all these items. And when I got them, I'm like, this is private label garbage. And I'm just, I'm not, I'm not having it. And so I returned it. And with Amazon, no questions asked. I even put like Bob by mistake. And back in the day, Amazon would charge you for the shipping back. And now they don't even charge you for the shipping back on Bob by mistake or buyer's remorse. And with eBay, my personal experience has been, you know, two, three years ago, I would call about a negative feedback and I would get three responses. One would be, oh, your concierge, no worries, removed. Uh, as long as I did everything right, okay? They wouldn't do that if I completely like did something wrong, okay? The second response would be like, oh, you've been selling on the platform for 12 years and you have 100% feedback? Yeah, this is out of the norm. We'll remove it. The other one I would get uh, a lot would be, uh, oh, you do free returns? Yeah, not a problem. We'll remove it. Now, 
when I call, I really have to explain myself and I have to ask. And and actually, I have to like argue all three points. I have to say this is concierge, which I know a lot of you don't have access to. I have to say I do free returns. I have to say I've been on eBay. I have 100% feedback. Like I really have to advocate for myself, which was not the case two, three years ago. It was a quick one to two minute phone call. Now it's I've even had some times where I've had to speak to a supervisor, which is the rarity because I never call eBay. And so understand that's the case. Also understand that, you know, when it comes with returns in the end, eBay has been good about this. eBay has been good where I've not given the money back on shipping. If it's buyer's remorse or they broke an item or whatever it is, but still like I've had moments where the buyer would open a case against me and then I'd have to call eBay and go, Hey, what is going on? Like you guys said, if I'm a top rated seller and I offer free returns that I could give, you know, up to 50% off uh, a 50% refund. But now I have to even battle that through. And I, I, I you know, is it bothersome to me? Sure. But I, I see what Mike, what you're saying. Then in the long run is a good thing because if eBay can hold on to buyers, which eBay has been losing buyers over the last few years, every single year, it's been a negative return on buyers coming back to the platform. And that's because there's a lot of other platforms and because of the economy. But just be aware that. So what does that mean on a practical level? That means on a practical level, you have to make sure your, you know, your pictures are accurate, descriptions are accurate, same old basic stuff. I would even say you should probably offer free returns. I would fight every negative feedback. You got to do everything in your power to leverage yourself especially in this time where it's a lot harder to get negative feedback removed and to make sure that everything is falling in line with the way that eBay wants. Now, this next one, I think everybody knows this. In 2023, there's a lot more platforms to sell on. But that also means a lot more competition, right? That means, you know, not only are you, you know, as eBay and Poshmark, it's also now Goodwill Finds. It's also Salvation Army. It's also whatnot. And I'm, you know, I do believe there's going to be another auction competitor. Uh, I thought eBay would be that one, but obviously eBay, I don't think they're going down that road, even though they said they were. It's been about a year since they announced it. But I, I could see a whatnot competitor coming uh, to the scene here soon because right now live streaming sales is pretty popular. So, you know, again, what does that mean? Well, there's two ways to look at it. You can one choose to buckle down on the platform you're on and, and just keep putting in the work, or maybe you have to diversify and cross list. So have you been doing any cross listing at all recently in the last, I would say six months, Mike? Uh, not tons, not cross listing specifically. Um, I mean, there are a few things that end up on like local and then on eBay. That one to me is easy. Um, when I'm cross listing on other things, not, not quite as easy because then you run into some issues. I, I'm, I might start playing around with some other platforms though. Cause I feel like, eBay, I don't know. It's it's going okay. I'll talk about it on our next update episode. Some some kind of concerns I have with eBay. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that with with so many more uh, platforms, you kind of have to you kind of have to go where your your niche is. And so I've done really well when I was in San Diego on local deals. Um, I, I think it might be a little bit before I kind of figure out the local market here in that sense. Uh, but yeah, I haven't, I haven't really played. I was pretty big on Poshmark for a while, kind of got off Poshmark. Maybe they fixed some of the issues I didn't like there. Maybe it's still terrible. I don't know. Um, I didn't, I didn't like the sharing. That part was pretty annoying. 
Uh, but yeah, I, I need to get on to, I still haven't really spent too much time on things like Mercari or uh, other platforms like that. Yeah. I just, to me, it's, it's nice because for example, you know, I had mentioned on the last podcast, how somebody had claimed that something was fake or fraud or whatever it was, and it wasn't. So I have other choices, right? I can sell on Mercari. I can sell on Poshmark. I can sell on whatnot if I want, right? I could sell on various other platforms. And so the advantage of 2023, even though all these platforms are charging more, is that you have a lot more options where you can sell, right? And I've said this many times, you know, I don't do a lot of whatnot, but let's say I was pressed for money and I needed to make money quick. Whatnot's a great avenue. Now, granted, you have to sell up to a thousand items before you get that like daily deposit. But if you want to think long term, maybe now, maybe now you set up your whatnot and you just sell and sell and sell. So then, you know, you're like, hey, I don't know how things are going to be in six months, but I want to make sure I can make money quick. And and you can. And, you know, that that's something I, I've even considered, like, let's say things are bad. It'd be great if I could pull like three of my totes and go on whatnot the next day. And so like 100 items. Right. And I'm like, OK, I got that money the next day. So. These are all things to think about. I, I do I do wish it would push eBay to improve their systems, uh, which I don't see happening right now. I think things have kind of slowed down with eBay. I think send offer was like the greatest thing that they did, and then things just <laughs> things just slowed down. I don't know what happened, but hopefully this means you know as eBay sees more of their marketplace being lost to other platforms, that they'll improve their systems and get better. Now, one system that is improving is my reseller genie. And so in the state of 2023, uh, one thing you need to do is make sure you're up on your taxes, up on your profit and losses. And if you haven't yet found a bookkeeping system that works for you, uh, make sure to check out my reseller genie. You get 15% off the first month with our code pure hustle, all in caps. And I'm pretty sure you'll stay on after that. It was kind of nice the other day. I, uh, I, I'm an idiot, but I forgot that I had QuickBooks on still for like the last year <laughs> since, since the promotion. Remember when the GoDaddy died and then, yeah. you know, you I had no choice. I, you know, that's the problem with these auto renewals, right? I had it on a credit card. I wasn't even thinking about it until I saw like, uh, my price like doubled. And then I was like, what am I doing? I've been using my reseller genie the whole time and I've been paying for, you know, QuickBooks and, so I canceled it and it's gone. But uh, yeah, my reseller genie, like I, I'm not, I will not go back to Facebook. So if yeah. you haven't yet, and I was uh, going to say real quick, while, Orlando, while you're, but before you do that, like some of our listeners might be like, yeah, that might've been a cool thing to like sign up for at the beginning of the year. Like maybe I should have signed up like, you know, to start. it's still a good time to start. Like it's uh, always oh, yeah. getting your organization, getting the books figured out. Even if you're halfway through the year, you're you're thinking ah well you know I'm already into this tax it's it's better to get it done now because you still have you know six months almost of of the year left well, I don't know not that four months I don't know something like that five four four or five months left of the year that you want to make sure you've got kind of figured out so that way when you have to do taxes next year you're good to go plus you can go back and get all of the stuff you've already done this year put in there it's going to be easier you're going to have to do it anyways when you do your taxes so you might as well get a system set up now. Um, and then obviously the start of next year, you, you're, you'll start on the right foot, but don't think that it's too late, right? Like a lot of times people will wait and say like, well, I'll start next year. And they start making New Year's resolutions for things that are the most important, right? Like their health and like taxes. Like those are things that you don't want to make a New Year's resolution for. Well, okay. So do it now. 
so let me jump in here. Like one thing we were not talking about on this podcast, but we're going to talk about it right now in the state of reselling in 2023, the government's coming after you more than ever before. Right. You, that before, remember we had that threshold where it was 20,000. Now it's $600. If you saw it more than $600, you're going to get a 1099. And so that is the current state of reselling where not only are you paying more fees to the platforms, now the government is going to make sure they get their check. And so what better reason to get on my reseller genie to make sure you're only giving the government what they deserve and that's it. And even then, so make sure you make things right. Okay. <laughs> Did you want to add to that? No, I think that's good. Okay. All right. Hey, so how are things changing for buyers? Right. We'll, we'll get to sellers last year. Hopefully you stick with us to the end. But I, I think, you know, there's this misconception that things are bad in reselling right now. And I, I believe that, that it could be true for a lot of people. And it is true for me. I'm not saying like it's been a picnic in the park. Things are brutal. My July, my July is a normal July, which means it's great sales. Like things have been awesome the last few weeks. I, and, and again, I don't know. It's always like that in June. I'm like, no summer slowdown. Then last two weeks of June, I'm like, maybe there is summer slowdown. And then July comes. I'm like, nope, no summer slowdown. Uh, but he, here's the deal. People are still buying. It's not like reselling is dead. They may be buying less. They may not be buying the stuff you're sourcing, but realize that there are a lot of people out there still making sales. So there are still buyers out there. The question is, are you willing to adapt? Are you willing to source things? Uh, maybe, you know, you, you're so used to buying certain amounts of clothing. Maybe people are looking for different clothing, right? Or maybe we'll talk about this later is, you know, are you offering more deals? And maybe that's why sales aren't coming through, right? Because there's still buyers, right? There wouldn't be full-time sellers. There wouldn't be, you know, people still, you know, uploading on social media unless everybody was fake, which I don't think is the case. But there are still people buying. So do you agree with that? You think people are still buying or you think people are, are just done? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think people are uh, are still buying. Again, like you mentioned, though, it might be different different items, right? Like you got to think there's always been some kind of understanding. I think most resellers have of like seasons, right? So if it's if it's the winter time, different items are selling. Then if it's the summertime, different items are selling. If it's Christmas versus if it's Halloween, right? Like there are certain items that move at certain times of the year. And the same is true if you think more long-term, more macro level, when you're in different uh, economies. Uh, and, and again, like not saying like, oh, we're at the end of the world, the world's ending and you know, there's not, the money is collapsing. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like you go into times of expansion and times of retraction. And so if you're in like a retraction, even if it's not like, oh, everything's ending, people are going to be a little bit more cautious of what they're spending money on and the types of items they're spending money on. So maybe they're not going, we've, we just use this as like a common example, but um, you know, if, if a, if a guy needs work boots and he needs, you know, a nice pair of work boots and he's used to buying new ones, well, things are a little tight. His company didn't give him the raise he was looking for, whatever the situation is, he might look to eBay, right? Like I'm going to buy the work boots on eBay uh, because I can get a pair that's, you know, lightly used for half the price that I could buy a new pair for. And so are you selling the things people need, right? Like some people have mentioned that even in our comments, which I think is a good point is, are you sourcing and selling needs and not just wants? And then as we move into a time of expansion, then you get to sell a little bit more of the wants. Like, hey, here's a holographic Pikachu with a signature. Like those things tend to be a little bit more sought yeah. after 
when when money is is just kind of flowing. And so, uh, are you are you sourcing the right things that people are buying? Because people are still going to buy. Like they, they, things are still happening. People will have to live, so people will buy. Uh, but yeah, you, I w- good. I was just going to move on to the next point. No, I was just going to counter a little bit. I thought like I would only have to source what people need, but I'm just sourcing a lot of what people want and I'm still getting the sales. And I, and I think it's because we, we have basically two economic systems, right? We do have people that have a ton of money and, and to them right now is the opportunity for those individuals to get those items that they wanted on the cheap, just like us as resellers, right? We're buying out collections. Same thing are happening with people that have money, right? They're something that, you know, wealthy people are frugal too. Okay. I, I think we have this misunderstanding because social media, you know, makes it that all wealthy people, you know, drive Bugattis and and wear Gucci and and you know they're they're wearing their Millie watches. But that's not the case for all people, right? Like every, every rich people want deals too. And so they're turning to eBay and they're like, hey, I wouldn't have spent two hundred dollars on that collectible, but I'm I'm willing to spend a hundred. And if you're able to get that collectible for ten dollars, you're still making that profit. So Make sure to keep your costs low that so you're still selling the wants that people are looking for. Because even though the market's gone down, people are still buying wants. And I would say probably right now, 80% of my sales are, are wants more than needs. Like I have tons of work stuff, but no one's buying it. Uh, but people are, I mean, in my in my recent sales, it's all been like Hot Wheels and and uh, car collectible cards and just all kinds of randomness. I mean, I just sold a Ninja Turtle Splinter. I mean, who needs that, right? <laughs> no, no one, no one needs that. Uh, no one needs video games. No one needs bobbleheads. No one needs, you know, all these items, and they're still selling for good money. So, so be be aware that you know that keeping your cost low allows you to still be able to sell collectibles. All right, I'm done. All right, very good. Um, so that kind of moves on to the next point of um people are looking for deals, right? So uh-huh. people are going to be buying from you. They're going to want deals. And we talked about this in, in a lot of depth and two, two Mondays ago in our, our um, kind of preview to this episode. So I don't want to go as hard into it. Um, I think that's okay. still a good episode to listen to. But people are looking for deals because they want deals themselves. Um, and there's the flip side to that, which is we as, as sellers get the benefit of sourcing oftentimes better deals. So it goes both ways. Like it's never fun when the expectation is you're going to have to accept more offers uh, or send more offers that are maybe lower than you would traditionally or typically accept. Like that's not like an exciting thing. You're not excited about the fact that you're going to be accepting offers at 10, 15, 20% less than you maybe typically are, are accepting or have accepted in the past on on a particular type of item. That's not an exciting thing. So the thing though is you kind of have to take into account i would rather sell my items for 15% less than i'm used to than to hold on to items and never sell them right so if the buyers the expectation is well if you don't give me a deal somebody else will because people want stuff to move i mean if you walk into a store like target or walmart right like the people things get clearance um certain items like went crazy cheap i feel like tvs have like really gone down in prices because a lot of these stores kind of have had an abundance. And like I said, they're trying to make they're trying to make their bottom line as big as possible at the end of each quarter. Uh, so if they have to just kind of dump things at a clearance price in order to get those those numbers in, they're going to do it. And so buyers have that expectation that things are going to be cheaper. Like prices on everything have gone up. 
So I'm not going to buy those things. I'm going to go to the people who are like basically trying to give stuff away. That's where I'm going to go to because things are harder right now. So I'm going to I'm going to try and get the deal. And so if they're turning to eBay anyways, um, they're probably looking for a deal better than you're offering or hoping to get. So that's not fun. I think that we just have to recognize that that is the expectation of a lot of buyers. So you can kind of just kind of stick your head in the sand and go, well, I'm just not going to sell to those buyers. Well, if those are 80%, 60% of the buyers, whatever it is, like you're going to see a significant drop in your sales. You might see a 60% drop in your store because you didn't want to take a 10% lower on each item like the, the numbers don't add up right like it's sometimes worth taking the taking the lower amount but the flip side to that is people are selling things for cheaper a lot of times again because they're trying to make ends meet i don't know about you but i feel like when i go to garage sales or estate sales you, you there's always the two different types of, of sellers like there are sellers who are um you know they want top dollar for everything and for various reasons maybe they don't know the value of what they have or whatever and then there are some people who are just like trying to give it away because they don't care. But then there's that that people who are trying to 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 just I need money, right? Like I'll sell it to you for a hundred bucks. Uh fine, you'll give me 70. Sure. I'd rather have 70 than nothing. And so people are willing to make deals on things. And so you are able to go and pick up collections of whatever it is. Maybe like we talked about earlier, Pokemon cards, collections of RC cars. People are offloading things because they're trying to pay their bills. And so you can get deals too. So yeah, it sucks that you have to give deals as the seller, but the flip side is that expectation goes both ways and you can expect to get potentially better deals as the the, the seller going out sourcing as well, because at that point you, you're a buyer. No, agreed. And, and here, here's the thing. It's, there's a lot of people, I, I can't say, I mean, I, I'm not saying like a thousand, but I've had many conversations where people are like, I'm not selling anything. And I'm like, are you running a sale? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, you got to run a sale. Are you taking offers? No, you got to take offers. You send the offers, you got to send offers. And it was really tough for me. If you go back to our podcast back in February, uh, I, you know, struggled. I, it was bad. It was really, really bad. And I decided to do an experiment, right? To do 50% off everything. And sure enough, the moment I did that 50% off, sales like skyrocketed. And I haven't looked back. I've been 50% off since February on everything in my store. Now, I have kind of played around with some numbers where there are some items that I would list high. And so it would go to 50% off and it'd be at the price that I wanted to sell at. You know, I wasn't selling it for dirt cheap, but I've definitely, you know, gotten used to the new normal. Right. And, and when things rebound, you know, I'll, I'll turn off to 50% off and it'll be 30% off. It'll be 20% off. But I've done what I've had to do. And so you got to make sure that to understand that people are looking for deals. And so you got to adjust. So, for example, not only with that 50 percent off, but I'm also taking the offers on top of that. So I've removed all my free shipping and I charge shipping on everything and it's worked out. So you get you have to figure out ways that you can still take deals in this economy. And we've said this, like you said, you know, we had a whole episode discussing this, but you got to keep costs low. And if you can keep your costs low, you can give people the best deals ever. Now, on top of that, you have to make sure you're on top of everything because people are returning things, you know, more frequently now, right? Because, you know, they may buy, buy something like, let's say the 20th of the month and they get it and it's the 27th. Hopefully it doesn't take that long for you to ship something, but they get it on the 27th and then the rent's due in three days. 
they're like, Ooh, I'm going to be short like 200 bucks. And I dropped a hundred bucks on this item. I need that money. And so they'll return it. And I've, I've had, I've had a few returns and I'm like, okay, this was just buyer's remorse. This was somebody buying out of their budget. Right. And, and my returns haven't gone up, but what this means for you is make sure everything is right. That if they're returning, that it definitely looks like buyer's remorse, that it doesn't look like an INAD, that it doesn't look like something that you messed up on. Because I, I will say that now more than ever, people are going to find every excuse to return items. You want to make sure you don't give people that excuse to return your item. I don't know if that makes sense, Mike. Yeah, I think it's good. All right. Now, how about this one? Do you think this one, do you agree with this one, Mike? I think shipping demand for items to be shipped faster has slowed down. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay. Should I give you more context? Yeah. Let me, let me hear what you're thinking on this. Okay. So eBay prime, I mean, not eBay prime, Amazon prime is no longer two days back in the day when you bought something like it was within two business days, you would get the item. It doesn't happen like that on Amazon anymore. Now I, there is still some perks. Well, where if you're in a certain geographical area, you'll get it like the same day or overnight. Okay. That happens. But shipping has slowed down, right? USPS first class used to be three to four days. Right. And even before I went to USPS ground advantage, now it's five to seven days. And so people understand if they're not getting priority, it's going to be five to seven days. Right. Which means that it's equivalent to sending things ground at times. Like I will send things UPS ground and it's the same amount of time as if I send even USPS priority. Right. So I'm not too worried about, you know, changing my shipping times or sometimes if an item's too ex cost me too much to ship priority, I might go down a ground because it'll get there at the same time pretty much. And you have to remember most people that sell on eBay are really slow on, like really slow on shipping. I, I've heard somebody say that like the average ship times like nine days for you to get an item. Right. So if you're that person that ships same day and an item gets to somebody in three to four days, you're already beating out most sellers on eBay. All right. So with that context, does that make sense that people aren't expecting like the instant turnaround on their items? Yeah. I mean, I think that, that that may be the case. I think there's there's some validity there. I still think though, we live in such a fast paced world that the people who are able to ship the fastest, and a lot of times it's like things like Amazon where you can get something next day, it's still going to take a priority. I think it still is an expectation. Um okay. I do think though, even going back to like thinking about 2020, and I, I think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to the fragility of of just the whole system like how interconnected everything is and how things like supply chain or you know things getting backlog can really have an impact and i think some people obviously get frustrated by that other people i think were maybe starting to kind of understand and go like okay like sometimes it's hard to ship things and for things to get like to expect that it's always going to be at a certain place at a certain time it's going to take a couple extra days so i do think that maybe there has been a more understanding of people, just things take a little bit longer um, or being okay with, Hey, if I'm going to get a good deal, I'm okay waiting three or four days. If I buy this off eBay, cause it was really cheap because I don't need it tomorrow. So, hmm. so I, I, I think, yeah, there's probably some, <clears throat> some validity there. Um, but I, I think we still live in a time where 
so many people want now, immediate. Um, so it, it goes both ways. I think that maybe we're at net zero. Like maybe there's not, like it doesn't really impact us too much because I still think there's enough people who want immediate. And then there's been, I think, maybe a shift towards uh, some people being a little bit more lax and, and understanding of the fact that things can take a little longer and things are out of our control and, and UPS is just taking, or USPS is taking longer on items and shipping costs have gone up. And so I think that the, the scale kind of almost balances out. Like enough people have gone into both camps that it's probably like a net zero for us. All right. All right. I see that. All right. Hey, if you haven't yet, follow us on social media. We, we are Purosa Podcast on all platforms, including threads. <laughs> and uh, we are Purosa Cast on Twitter. I, I got to love threads. I The randomness. So you got to jump on threads because what I'm finding is the reselling community doesn't know what to do. Because there's no there's no hashtags on threads, right? So how do people find you? We don't know. We don't know. So I love it because a lot of resellers are just doing normal content. They're like, I feel hungry. This is what I ate. You know, like the old Facebook days, right? Where people like took pictures. Like it's just it's just hilarious. Uh, if you ever want to leave us an email, we're peersapodcast at gmail.com. It's peersapodcast at gmail.com, uh, which actually one of our hustle of the week comes from an email today. Uh, you could always leave us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. And as always, if you're listening to us on the podcast and you haven't watched us yet, jump on over to YouTube, hit that subscribe, smash that like button, hit that bell notification so you don't miss any of our Monday minisodes and any extra videos we may drop. And as always, thank you to all of you that drop reviews on iTunes. Definitely helps us out in the algorithm. Our goal is to get to 800. My goal uh, is to get to 1,000 reviews uh, by the end of the year. I think that would be incredible. Uh, we are the most reviewed reselling podcast out there. Uh, that tells you how much of a niche field it is. Uh, but we are the number one reselling podcast out there. And it's because of all of you uh, that tune in and also all of you that leave us reviews and why you listen to the podcast. And I also want to say thank you to all of you that support us on Patreon for $5.55 a month. If you want to help us out continuing to provide free content, uh, sign up uh, via the link below, patreon.com slash peers of podcast. Uh, the bonus, you get to jump on our Discord with a ton of great information. I'm always learning from everybody on there. Uh, it's a community. It's not the Mike and Orlando show. We pop in there, you know, every, uh, daily, uh, but we're not out there like as the, you know, doing Q and A's all the time. Uh, cause there's plenty of people there. I think that know even more than we do. So it's just a great community to be in. So if you haven't yet jump on in, hit the, hit the link below, uh, go to Puroso podcast, uh, Patreon, yeah. 55 a month. That's right. All right. Let's talk about some major scores here, Mike. Yeah, you got a hole and pulled the uh, the sound effect. All right, here we go. Yeah, hustle of the week. All right, so for those of you who don't know, uh, hustle of the week is a place where we get to talk about uh, the big scores, the big sales, the big finds of resellers. Now, we're really big on being real on Pierce Podcast, and we know that there is not always going to be massive home run hit sales every single time you go to a garage sale or a thrift store. Uh, and so we don't try and push that. But what we do try and say is, hey, if you're out there consistently grinding it, you are going to find these deals and you're going to be able to find some sweet hustle. So we like to celebrate the people who find some amazing deals uh, and kind of share those on the podcast. So uh, our first one comes in from an email, which is awesome. I, I, I enjoyed reading this one. I'm not on the Instagram as often 
uh, as Orlando is, but I definitely see all the emails. And so I saw this one come in. It was really cool. Uh, so this one uh, comes in and it's from Emily. And it says, hey, guys, I wanted to share a big find and a good reason to always check comps. I found this Nike hat at the Goodwill for a dollar. I picked it out. I picked it up without even thinking about it because it was new with tags and I knew I'd be able to make something on it. Lucky for me, I pulled up comps when I got home and saw that it was kind of special. So it was a Nike unisex adjustable dry fit feather light tennis hat and it was a red cap and it sold for 75 bucks. So always check comps. Thanks for the knowledge. Happy reselling, Emily. Uh, Emily, that was a fantastic deal um, to go from a dollar and to be able to sell for 75. And you're right, like typically a deal like that, you see a Nike hat, it's new with tags, it's only a dollar. You know, worst case, you're going to be able to sell it, throw it up 15 bucks, no big deal, right? Like even if it's just a run of the mill hat, it'll, you'll sell, you're going to make some kind of profit. But to be able to sell for $75, that's an incredible deal. And again, it's always good to check comps while you're outsourcing. And now if, if you know no matter what, it'll be profitable, you might not need to check. But before you list it, like imagine if Emily got home and was like, yeah, these type of hats sell for like 15, 20 bucks. And she just listed it for that. That would have been a loss for her because she would have not realized like, hey, ooh, this one's actually different. So even if you think you don't have something special, make sure you're checking the comps before you list it. So like one extra step um, because that that could be the difference between selling something for 10 bucks or 75. Agreed. Agreed. And again, <laughs> It it just blows me away, like that you can still find things at thrift stores. <laughs> it just it's just awesome. So good for you, Emily. All right, this one comes from Vintage Mermaid, who is a local reseller here in San Diego, who definitely knows her stuff, and she's also on our Discord, always dropping knowledge. So this is from the Discord. Uh, she said she almost didn't buy this at the Swamp Meet because the seller was asking uh, ten dollars. Right. And and the swamp meet here, you know, Mike, you even talked about it. Like it's tough to find things at the swamp meet because a lot of people know what they're they're selling, you know. So I picked this up. It was a piece of fabric. I always love the fabric sales. Uh it must be super easy to ship fabric too. But also a bowler. So it's peg hopper artwork prints. So picked up a vintage peg hopper Tahiti imports fabric. It was 44 inches by 65 inches. For $10 and took a best offer on eBay of $400 plus ship. Wow. That's just wild to me. That's killer, man. That's amazing. So Vintage Mermaid, anytime I find, you know, fabric out here in San Diego, I, I hit her up because she definitely knows what she's looking for. That That is a great field to be in. Yeah. Yeah. I might. Uh, I, I don't know if I ever talked about it on the podcast, but I used to work at Joanne's Fabrics, uh, Cutting Fabric. Oh, okay. So, uh, I, I don't, are you, are you an expert? Absolutely not. But if you wanted like one and a half yards of fabric, I could cut it for you. Okay. All right. Is that a skill or something? It I'm is. It to... is. You got to be able to like, I, I still remember you got to pinch it with your thumb. You pull it across, you put it on the thing. Ah, slide. Okay. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's, it's a talent. Uh, I should go back to my roots though. And, uh, and, and maybe learn a little bit more about fabric, especially if, if some of them are selling for $400, holy smokes. Yeah, it's pretty wild. All right. Our next one comes from Chris Moose 476. So uh, this is a, a YouTube comment. Uh, picked up a 1997 Tyranno Shredder for 10 cents at a yard sale. The toy was in the bottom of a toe and had no tail, no weapons, and the mouth was glued shut. Sold it for $250 plus shipping on eBay. Holy smokes. 
this thing is missing half of it and it's been glued together and it still sells for two hundred fifty dollars. Let me see. Can I can I get this to the camera so people can see it? Is it, do we have that technology? But it's this thing right here, Jeez. and I'm just like, that's just. I'm looking at this right now, and I'm like, this is crazy. Like, so 1997 Toronto Shutter Maroon, just a mace, just a mace is 195 dollars. So. The fact that Chris Moose, you found the figure for ten cents and you sold it for two fifty, with all the damage, because there's here one, there's one here that did not damage and seven hundred dollars. It just sold, oh, and and the movie's coming out by the way. The movies there's a there's a new movie coming out in a month, uh, for Ninja Turtles. So that's why the, all the hype. That's crazy. Hold on, let me see if I can uh, if I can pull this up real quick. Uh, Are you gonna put it on the screen? All right. Is it uh is it shared on there we go. Okay, so that's the that's the just the what's it called? The axe. $199. Yeah. Good grief. Just the axe. You imagine you imagine if you had one of these pieces and you're like, oh, it's not worth something, you just toss it to the side in your house. Yeah, that'd <laughs> so be that awful. Be... This is like a major yeah. bolo, man. I'm gonna be look, look at, at that. This. Good grief. So nice work, Chris Moose. Yeah. And you know that. what? He had shared this like three months ago, but I, I'm going to call it Providence, Destiny, whatever you want to call it, that we got to share it now because right now is prime time uh, to sell Ninja Turtles. I just said, I just sold a Splinter. Uh, you know, Splinter was a rat. Yep. And uh, I sold him for like 50 bucks plus shipping and I paid like two bucks. I just sold just during the podcast. I sold, what did I sell? It was, it, I didn't sell, it didn't go for that much. Maybe I should have raised my price. But I sold it. Yeah, I sold it a uh, what? Who is this? I don't know which Ninja Turtles slash. And I just sold them for 13 bucks plus shipping, which maybe he's worth a lot more now. Who knows? Oh, man, but, I should pull it up. But I've sold even the cards. You know, when you, you get the figures and there's the cards in the back, I've sold the cards themselves for like 20 to 50 bucks each. Without anything. So That's it's crazy. crazy. So, all right. Do you have a hustle of the week this week? Or are you you still working through things? Yeah, yeah, no, no, man. I'm I'm good, man. Don't 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 um don't sell okay, me short I'm, like that. You, I'm you, not trying to sell you short. I'm, I'm just trying to be real. I'm hustling. About it, I'm hustling. All right. So, all right, all right. um, I, I this is a find. I probably talked about this. It's probably been maybe a couple years now. But anyways, we found a like a preschool that was closing down. Um, wasn't like a huge preschool. It was just like a like probably a couple workers there and they had a handful of, you know, items and curriculum. Anyways, one of the things they had were these versatiles, like a, uh, it's like a curriculum that has, it's like five books of each of like 10 different types. So there's like 10 different like math, math, you know, adding and subtracting multiplication. Like, so there's like different books, there's five of each. And then there's these tiles that kids use to like answer the questions in the book. Uh, anyways, we picked up like 10 of these, 10 sets of these for $30 total. So for about $3 a set. Uh, and every year at the beginning of the school year, I tend to sell one or two of these. Um, people are, you know, I don't know whether they're, it's homeschools or whether it's um, mm. maybe like small school co-ops, maybe daycares, things like that. Uh, but people tend to buy these around this time. It's about the only time of the year they buy them. Uh, but I sold this one for $100 plus shipping. So from three dollars to a hundred dollars plus shipping, can't beat yeah, that. it's 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 killer. So yeah, sweet sweet deal for sure. That's what I love about reselling. Like think about all the randomness. We have a hat that's old, fabric, a Ninja Turtle. You got that versatile. Like just the randomness. Good, nice work. Yeah. What about you? 
So this was an interesting one. I, uh, I, if you follow us on Instagram, you should follow us on Instagram. Every Saturday, I post when we go to garage sales. Pretty much the only time we share stories anymore, just because our lives have become so busy. And I had to drive to San Clemente, which is about an hour and a half from where I live, because my son had to take the SAT because they don't do SATs anymore for college admittance in California, and so there's not that many schools. So I decided to drop them off early and then go to garage sales. And I was in a wealthy area and, you know, I didn't think I was going to find much that day, but there was this one garage sale that I went to and there was this like this waffle maker. And I've seen people sell waffle makers for good money. And I was like, I don't know how much this is going to go for. And I was like, how much, what are you looking for this? And she's like, I'll take 10 bucks. I'm like, all right, cool. But I was like, ah, it's probably not worth much. So I got in my car and I'm driving while I'm driving. I was illegally inserting how much, you know, it could wor- be worth, you know, in California, it's illegal to look up comps while driving. And then I saw comps for like $100 $200 for the waffle maker. I'm like, what? So I, I did a U-turn. I drove back and I'm like, did you say 10 bucks? She's like, yeah, 10 bucks. So I bought it. I listed it. And within 12 hours, I sold that. Wa- it was a Warren Pro uh, double Belgian waffle maker. I sold it for $110 plus ship. And the shipping was about 30, 35 bucks. So it's just crazy. Just like, I, I didn't even think that. And so that day I spent, I think I spent like $80. So I made profit on that. I sold some other items. I have a Herman Miller chair I picked up that day too. But uh, yeah, keep an eye out for those waffle makers. They can go for good money. It's good stuff, man. Good stuff. I almost kept it though. It was pretty sweet, but can't get high on your own supply. So. Or on the smell of waffles in your house. Yeah. My wife made waffles <laughs> the other day. It was fantastic. I love waffles. All right. Hey, uh, before we move on, another place you can find deals on right now is Whatnot. And if you use our link below, you can get, it is a first timer. If you haven't been on Whatnot yet, you can get a $15 credit for free. Right. And and there are some crazy deals right now. And actually, Whatnot has some shipping deals. So a lot of sellers are jumping back on and trying to sell through inventory. And so if you are looking for something for yourself, a collectible uh, or something to resell, go to our link below, go to Whatnot, get that fee, fee, free $15 uh, credit. So you can not feel the pain of fees from these platforms, but still make great profits. So there you go on one nine. All right. So here's the last part of our, uh, the state of reselling in 2023. It's what, what's going on with sellers? What's happening to us? And what I'm seeing, not just on social media, but the fact that things are selling, you know, there's less things being sold on platforms that there's a lot less sellers on platforms. And, and I'm even seeing this on social media. A lot of people that we followed just stop reselling. They just, they, they like the comfort of the nine to five and the W2, which I think there's a lot to be said about that. <laughs> you know, it's in, in tough economic times. It's kind of nice to have a consistent paycheck. I will say reselling full time is not for the weary. And I'll talk about that in a little bit, but there's less sellers. So I think there's going to be an advantage here pretty soon. Uh, if when things rebound, right, those that stuck it through and continued reselling 
they're going to be able to sell more. They're going to be able to sell for more because during that time, they, bu- they built up their feedback. They built up their reputation on those platforms. And so I would say, don't give up on reselling. Keep going. Even though there's a lot of people that are jumping on and have fallen off. A lot of people were used to, you know, the good old days of 2020, the golden age of reselling. And now they're like, hey, you know, uh, I'm not making that much money anymore. I'm, I'm out. I don't want to resell anymore. And I don't know what 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 are you, what are you what are your thoughts on all of this here, Mike? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, if you were, it's tough because when when the economy is doing really well, you know, people money was kind of flowing a little bit more freely. Um, I think even if that's the case, if you're in like the millennial generation, you're in like the generation where like you kind of are almost forced to hustle because even though like the economy is doing well, mm. things are so expensive. So people were looking for side jobs, side gigs, whether it's I'm going to drive for Uber, I'm going to do, you know, I'm going to be a personal shopper. I'm going <coughs> to resell because otherwise I'm never going to buy a home. I'm never going to be able to do these things that I want to do or travel or the things that, you know, maybe people could have done 20, 30 years ago uh, without necessarily having to, you know, work 10 jobs in order to do. So people were doing these side gigs and it was actually pretty profitable, right? So like if you if you told me like back in 2018, 19, 20, 21, hey, here's this side gig you can do. It doesn't take tons of time and this is how much money you can make. Sweet. Yeah, I'm going to jump on and I'm going to do it as a side gig. Now, if I've been doing this as a little side gig and I'm making four or five hundred extra dollars a month, whatever it is that I need to kind of just, I don't know, this pays for my groceries or pays for my you know nights out or whatever it is that you're. Uh, you're using it for, but I only have to work, you know, a couple hours a week to do it. Sweet. Now, as things have gotten harder and you've really had to like niche down and like shipping costs have gone up and fees have gone up and you're having to sell things for cheaper than you were selling things for and things you have been sitting and they haven't been selling and you maybe are, you know, kind of not, you're not necessarily as, as into to reselling. It's not as easy. So you're like, you know, I'm not doing this side gig anymore. I'm going to jump and find something else, right? Or I'm just going to go back to my nine to five because now what I used to be able to make in a couple hours a week, I'm going to have to spend 10 hours a week to make and it's just not worth it for me. So yeah, more people are dropping off. Now there's a benefit for that if you're the kind of people who are going to stick around, right? Because as people fall off, you make it through this, this, this tight time and you're able to get through it, kind of tighten your belt, you know, like that's kind of like the saying, like tighten your belt, we're going to get through this. You tighten your belt and you get through this this season, this this time of things maybe a little bit harder in 2023, then hopefully you get through it with more inventory of like good yeah. solid stuff. You've gotten rid of the stuff that was kind of junky. You've gotten more skills. You've learned two or three new niches. Like whatever the situation is, you come through this better. Then in seven years when the economy picks back up and people start jumping on this as a side gig again, you're just going to crush them. Right, because you've got mm-hmm. all of the experience, all of the setup, you've got the foundation, so you kind of almost don't have to worry about like the the fair weather resellers. Now, again, it's not like it's a bad thing that these people were on and then they left because, like, it was a season; it was beneficial for them. Um, things the, the economy wants to find equilibrium, like in its natural state, it's going to try and find like prices are going to find equilibrium, like. If, if the supply is really high and the demand is really low, prices come down. If the inverse is true, then prices go up. So the, there's always going to be a search for equilibrium. And so um, if there's if the economy is doing worse, there's some things that are harder. People are going to drop off from selling, which means your competition is less, which means 
it actually will become easier again for you to be selling items. It just takes time to find that equilibrium. You just got to ride those waves. Um, and so, yeah, I think people are uh, le- leaving some of these platforms, going back to their nine to five jobs, or or maybe they never left their nine to five, but they're just they're going to that as their their primary and kind of giving up the side gigs for now because it's just not worth it. Yeah, agreed. And so that leads to the next thing here is that there's a lot of re- full-time wrestlers that are going to part-time. And I, that's okay. I really do think that's okay. Because uh, you got to do what will make it happen. You know, it's it's an interesting phenomenon in the reselling world, right? Or the entrepreneurial world, right? If you go back to the nine to five, like, oh man, like, you know, you gave up or or, you know, you're not you know, you're not the controller of your own destiny, whatever it is, whatever people want to say. But to me, being a family guy and kids I got to take care of and bills to pay, like, you got to do what you got to do, right? And so you see a lot of full-time resellers that are like, you know, it's it's too inconsistent. It's kind of rough. And uh, I, I need a, I need something with security. And so I think that's okay. And and I, I've said this before. I do think the sweet spot in reselling is part-time full-time is nice i love the full-time like today i got up i dropped off with my one son to school he has summer school i i dropped off my packages and then i picked up my other son and i went and played tennis for a couple hours i know i I, me playing tennis but whatever okay so i played tennis for a couple hours not, not, not pickleball no not pickleball no 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 i i like tennis way more so but here's the thing it was beautiful i loved it Right. The fact that I could just get up and do what I want. Right. I didn't have to go, you know, oh, well, son, I have to wait till I'm off of work or maybe on my lunch break. I can catch you for 30 minutes. No, I could do what I want. I came back home, made some lunch. You know, now I'm recording the podcast like I like the freedom. But the nice thing about being full time is you're not stressed. Right. I'm not you don't feel the need of always having to list. You don't It's benefits. Right. I pay a lot of money. When it comes to my health insurance, I'm paying close to 700 a month for just me, just me to have health insurance. Okay. And, uh, and I choose private insurance. I don't, I, you know, I, I'm not a big fan of, of going through government institutions because it's not the same quality. And so there, there's a, there's a lot of benefits to going a part time. And that doesn't mean you can't return to being back in full time. I mean, even I myself, a few months ago, Mike, and I was about to seven share on the podcast, I had the opportunity to pursue uh, a position in, in school administration again that would have been full time. And it was a place I would have loved to be at. But, you know, I my son still had another year at the school he was at before he graduated. And and I just felt the timing wasn't right and I didn't pursue it. But had the timing been right. I would have been gone. I would have gone back to part-time reselling. The podcast would have continued. It just would have looked different because I wouldn't have been a full-time reseller and it wouldn't have been uh, because of financial reasons. Uh, But the financial reasons would have been nice though, right? Because it would have been a consistent paycheck. It would have been benefits uh, and it would have been great. So understand this right now that there's no shame if you are a full-time reseller and you're struggling right now and you're stressed it's okay to take on a job. It's all right. It's okay to go back to what you're doing before just for the temporary. And who knows, maybe this is the break that you needed to realize what you were missing out, right? Because when you're at a place for a long time, 
right? The honeymoon period ends and then you just see all the negatives and it gets really negative. But sometimes taking a break and going back may be the best thing for you and you feel refreshed. And so realize that right now with reselling, there's a lot of full-time people that have found other ways to make money uh, because they need to fill in the gaps. Yeah, no, I, I think that's good. And, you know, as a, as a part-time reseller, I can attest there's a lot of benefits to being a, uh, a, a having a, uh, a W, what, what is it? Being a W-2 employee, W-2, W-2 yeah, being, employee being a yeah. W-2 employee and then also having a side gig. Right? I mean, there's, there's a lot of benefits tax wise with that. And, you know, like you said, benefits. And I, I kind of have a sweet gig as a teacher um, where I, I get lots of time off throughout the year. So then I can kind of use that for reselling. Um, so, yeah, it, it, there's nothing wrong. I, I think, too, there's like a weird thing. I mean, you've even made comments like, OK, like, you know, some people, they're not really full and not that you push this, but like some people aren't real full-time resellers because they have a spouse that makes money. And, but like, we don't do that for anything else. Like if, if, if like somebody is like a firefighter and then their spouse is a nurse, we don't go, but yeah, but you're not like a full-time firefighter. Cause like your wife is a nurse and she makes money. It's like, well, yeah, you're still a firefighter. Like what, what difference does it make? Like, so if, if you're, there's almost like too much pride of like, Hey, I do this and only this to make money. And it's like, well, that's not really like a, that's kind of like a weird flex because like we're hustlers. Like there's a lot of ways we can make money. Hey, like you do the homeschool thing. I think over the next, like this next year, I have a new, like I have to start all over with my curriculum. Like being a first year teacher again. I mean, this is my ninth year of teaching, but basically it feels like I'm a first year teacher again. It sucks. But then I'm like, okay, I've got the hustler mindset. What can I do? Well, I'm going to, since I'm developing a lot of new curriculum, I'm going to develop some of it so I could sell it on websites that teachers use to buy curriculum. So I'm going to make money off the fact that I'm putting in work, making this. There's like, that's the mindset. That's, I think that's a better flex than being like, I only resell and this is the only way I make money. Like there's, I think it's not like a, a thing that's like a, as impressive as some people might think it is. So I don't think there's anything wrong yeah, with, with going back and saying, Hey, I kind of want to move back to part-time reselling or I want to try something else for a little while or I'm going to add some some things to my portfolio, some new skills, some new ways of making money. And then, yeah, that might actually make you fall in love with reselling again. Um, a lot of times people do something because they love it. And then when it becomes like something that they rely on completely, take some of the love away from it. So, yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. Uh, but if you are still wanting to stay in the game, you're like, I'm, I'm a reseller. I'm not, I'm not getting out of this. This is who I am. This is what I do, whether it's part-time, full-time, you know, somewhere in between. If you are not adapting, you're going to get left in the dust, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's true for pretty much every field. Like just imagine anything. Like imagine if you're, imagine if you're a car company and you're making cars and you're still making cars with the same technology and the same, the same, everything from, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, nobody's buying your car. Like you, everybody has to adapt if they want to be successful. Every company has to adapt every, that, that's just part of life. And so if you're not willing to adapt and say, Hey, you know, maybe I sell, I sell uh, musical instruments. That's all I don't plan on selling anything else. This is my niche. There's still room within there where you can adapt. Maybe you're adapting to, Hey, maybe it used to be this specific instrument that was really popular. And then now it's kind of shifted to like a different brand or a different instrument. And that's where you got to start putting a little bit more of your time and energy. Or maybe it's, you know, is it acoustic or is it electric or is it a certain brand or is it, you know, do you have to do different sales? Do you have to change the way you're marketing? Do you need to source from different places? Like you still, no matter what it is, you've got to be willing to adapt because if you don't adapt to changing economies, if you don't adapt to changing platform rules and, and their expectations and their 
fees, if you're not willing shipping, all of those things, like if you don't adapt, you can do it. Like you can just kind of just put like, like I'm staying here. Like I'm going to be this bulwark for this is the way I do life and business. And, and I've seen it so many times with businesses. Like there's documentaries on like businesses who like they were so stuck in there. Like this is what we do and how we do it. And the world passes them by. And then like 20 years down the road, people are like, who, what, that was a company. I don't know. Right. Like don't be that person. Like you can like stick your flag in the ground and say like, this is the hill I'm dying on. But that's a weird, again, a weird thing to do when it comes to reselling because people's experiences, expectations, their, their um, interests, all of those things change along with things that are outside of our control, like platform fees, platform algorithms, and, you know, economics, all those things are in constant flux. And so if you're not, not that you have to be, I think the other end of the spectrum is people are just, they're, they're blow with the wind and they can't stick to anything for very long. You got to be somewhere in the middle. You got to be flexible, but you need to be like, you know, kind of set, if that makes sense. Like I almost look at it like a ship being anchored. Like when a ship is anchored, it still moves around, right? Like it's not like fixed to one point where it can't move. It still moves with the waves. It's still moving, but it's just not drifting completely off course. And I think that's kind of maybe what we need to do as resellers. Like you need to move with the waves. You need to change directions as necessary but kind of stick to what's what's working and good at the same time. Like you don't want to just be blown around everywhere. Yeah, I would say it's you have to put in the work because it is work and you may have to put in more work to make it happen. But your work may look different, right? What you source may look different. How you promote items may look different. How you ship may look different. Like there, there's so many things you need to adapt to. And I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know where things are going to land. We may, you know, things may rebound the next month and we may have the biggest Q4 ever, which, you know, that's what Amazon is saying. That's what they're expecting based on the last prime day. But what I will say is, yes, right now, if there's ever a time to adapt to, to change the guard, to, to see things differently, it's right now in 2023 and you will be better for it come the next time when reselling really begins to take off again, or maybe it's going to take off now for you. So hopefully this uh, current state of reselling helped you out or at least reinforced things for you, motivated you, or even gave you some background noise to get some work done. With that being said, make sure to be real, be relevant and be reselling. Peace.